to um, try to cover this evening, and we'll just go as far as we can, and then um, we'll pick it up uh, next time we're together. I, uh, as you're turning there, I'd like to, if I could, just review. I tell you what, let's read the scripture first, and then I'll do a little review. Um, this is a new verse, um, as far as new to our study, not new as, you know, it's obviously been written for, you know, a couple thousand years, but um, new in the sense that we didn't look at this this morning, but so I want to read the passage first and then we'll do a little bit of, um, of review. So Ephesians chapter 1, and um, let's go to verse number 22, and I, this was obviously in the notes before, anyway, this is just the Holy Spirit, the way he works, so anyway. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 it says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now the first he is speaking of God the Father. And he, God the Father, put all things under his feet. The second his there is speaking of Jesus. So God the Father has put all things under Jesus' feet. And then God the Father gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Now, a lot of times we think of church, we think of a building. We need to lose that mindset. In other words, when he says church, he's not talking about the building. He's talking about the people who will, from time to time, assemble in a building. Amen? This word in the original language is the word ecclesia. Uh, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. I'm sorry, or E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And it simply means the called out ones, the called out ones. So the church is the body of Christ or those who have been called out from the world. Now remember, we've been called out from the world, but we've been called unto or called to God himself. Amen? Are you, are you with me so far? So he put all things, God the Father put all things under uh, God the Son, Jesus' feet, and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, when the Bible was originally written, it was not written in chapters and verses. That was added later so that we could all turn to the same passage, even in a different translation. So when you read these verses, especially the letters, sometimes the, the, the number break um, causes us somehow to do you know, this crazy thing in our minds that we think that it's like the end of a thought and the beginning of a new one. And so if you look at it without the number 23 there, it literally says, to the church which is his body. To the church which is his body. So as those who have been born again, we are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, amen, we see that Jesus is the head. Father has given him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now, look at this next part here. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So, Jesus is the one who fills all in all. But we are the fullness of him. In other words, the body here is the fullness of Jesus. Now, I don't want to freak you out too much this evening, but if you will understand what he's saying here, that, that we are the body of Christ being assembled together. When we meet together, it is the body of Christ assembling or meeting together. Now, we've been talking about fellowship, and I think it's interesting that the last box that they brought up in the drama tonight was fellowship. 
And I think sometimes, you know, it's clear that the enemy tries to steal the word and the enemy tries to steal our love and our hope and our joy and our faith. But this right here, the, the fellowship target, um, is one that he also desperately tries to steal. And you could even make a case that he's as interested in stealing this from you as he is any of these other things um, because, you know, so much of our love, so much of our joy, so much of our faith, so many of, uh, of these intangible things in our lives are stirred up and built up and strengthened through fellowship. Now, without re-preaching this morning's message, and I know some of you worship different places this morning, and, you know, so that always kind of puts me in an awkward position to, because I want to move forward, but I don't want to leave out some of the key points from this morning. So if I could, just very briefly, fellowship is such an important word, we need to know what it means. And the word fellowship is the word koinonia from the Greek, and it means community, communion, joint participation. It speaks of the share which one has in anything. Community simply defined is a group of people existing together, but a more in-depth definition involves that of a group of people existing together with shared attitudes, goals, working together for one another's mutual interests and benefit. Now, this word communion just simply means an act or an instance of sharing. So communion involves you sharing a part of yourself with someone else. You can exist in community a group of people, right, but not necessarily be close with those people, connected to those people, if you never share any of yourself or your life with them and if they never share any of themselves, their lives with you. So common and union form this word communion, common union, communion. It's speaking of things that we share together, including actions and experiences and, and, and things that we uh, join into and do together that serve to unite us together. Now, the more you share your life with another person and the more they share theirs with you, the more you grow in fellowship with that person and the closer you become to them. That is communion. And as I love to tell you, Jesus has already shared himself with you. Not in part, but in, in, in totality. He's held nothing back from you and is waiting for you and for me to respond by sharing more and more of ourselves with Him. Now, the, again, I'm just trying to hit the high points. So we've made this point before. God is an eternal community existing in absolute communion. Now, I know that on the surface this may sound like some kind of doctrinal statement or some kind of religious hyperbole or something along these lines. But just please hear me. I'm trying to help you understand something about God that's very, very important because you were created in His image and in His likeness. So again, I'm not trying to bore you with big words like mayonnaise tonight, but just hear me out on this, okay? When we say God is an eternal community, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they, they are three yet one existing together, amen? And they are in absolute communion, meaning they share everything with one another. Now, here's where we kind of, the last major point that we ended with this morning. Within the Godhead, community is more important than the individual. All right, if you're still with me, give me a smile or a wave or a Baptist nod or something, okay? Within the Godhead, in other words, when we say God, we could say within God as long as you understand God is more than God the Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Within this triune God, this Trinity God that we love, know, and worship, that created us, amen, that redeemed us, 
that has set their affection upon us. Within the Godhead, community is more important than the individual. Now, the reason I think this is so important is because we live in a world, especially in a country, that, that has become obsessed with individualism, has become obsessed with the individual. And the community seems to get its validation from making allowances for the individual. And it's this weird way of trying to do life. And, you know, we used an example this morning, and I I know it can be inflammatory. I'm not trying to fire you up, positive or negative. We just used the example this morning of this whole argument over restrooms. And if there's a man who wants to be or thinks he is a woman, he should be allowed to use the women's restroom. And notice that the idea here is this is a percentage of a percentage of a percentage point of the population, but we're catering to and almost become obsessed with this idea that we should, we should make allowances for this individual over the millions of little girls who shouldn't be forced to go to the bathroom with a man. You, you, again, whatever your political view is on that, I'm not even asking for that. I'm just trying to show you the bigger picture here is that the enemy... Is, is trying to get you and me to live completely opposite to the way God is and the way He created us to live. God, certainly the, God the Father is, uh, you know, has His own person. Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus is His own person, if we can use that word to describe God. And even the Holy Spirit, please don't call Him an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so each one of them are unique in their own way. In other words, Jesus is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not Jesus. They they are unique in the sense that there is an individualism to them, but within the Godhead, community is more important than the individual. In other words, Jesus doesn't look at God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as serving Him promoting Him. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? You know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me early, early on in the days of Heritage was that Heritage Christian Center was not to be a public relations marketing arm for Mark Winslet Ministries. But there are a lot of pastors, if you think about it, they, they pastor a church so that that church can promote them as an individual. See, that's not, that's not God. That's, that's not how He thinks. That's not who He is. That's not how He functions. Amen. So we are all individuals in this room tonight. And God created you as a unique person. But you will never discover your true potential as an individual. You will only discover your true potential, and I believe even your true identity, as it relates to the community or the body of Christ. Now, communion is what makes strong community. In other words... It's only when a group of people are willing to interact with, you know, share with, and by sharing, you know, I'm talking about every kind of sharing that you can imagine. Sharing financially, lending a helping hand. You're good at something that someone else is not, and so you help them in what you're good at, and then they turn around, and because they have, 
you know, skill in photography. They, they take some photographs for you. I and mean, I'm just coming up with stuff, right? I know there's people in here who have photography skills. So it's, you know, it's only when we're willing to function in communion with one another that our community or our family of faith can be strong. If the members of a community never share themselves with one another, the community will be weak and ineffective at meeting the needs of the individual members and accomplishing the goals of the community. Now, here is, amen, so let's dig into some new stuff tonight. In our case, the community that we're talking about, the community that we're a part of, is the body of Christ. Now, a lot of times when we read what the Bible has to say about being the body of Christ, we have a tendency to think of that as being like a metaphor. That, you know, figuratively, it's like we are the body. No, you are the body of Christ and a member individually. That's what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you recall, there was a man named Saul. We know him better as the Apostle Paul. But Saul was a very devout religious man who thought that Jesus was a phony, a fraud, and that the followers of Jesus needed to be silenced. And he went about overseeing their arrest and even their execution until Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And when he was knocked off of his high horse literally and was blinded by the brilliant light of Jesus' glory, Saul cried out, Who are you, Lord? In other words, he didn't know who he was, but he knew he was the Lord God. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Why are you persecuting? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? He didn't say, Jesus did not say, why are you persecuting my disciples? He didn't say, why are you persecuting people who believe in me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting people who, who want to know more about me? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because as far as Jesus is concerned, if you are a member of his body, you are him. And the Bible says in 1 John that as He is, so are we in this world. Amen. So the idea that it's like a body is a wrong way to understand this. We are the body of Christ. So in our case, the community that we're talking about is the body of Christ. But again, a community must have communion in order to be strong. A community without communion will be weak and ineffective at best. So the enemy knows that once you've been born into the body of Christ, that you are in that community. And there's nothing he can do to separate you from it. But if he can keep at least the part of the community that is the body of Christ that you're connected with weak through lack of communion, through lack of fellowship, through lack of sharing with one another, then he can pretty much keep you contained. So in our case, the community is the body of Christ. And there is only one body and Jesus is the head. In other words, there may be other uh, Portions of the body of Christ meeting in different places in the city of Hueytown tonight. 
with a different sign or different denominational flag flying out in front of their building. It doesn't matter. If they've been born again, there's one body and only one body and Jesus is the head. The needs of each member of a body are supplied by the rest of the body as directed by the head. Let me say that again. The needs of each member of a body are supplied by the rest of the body as directed by the head. If you have an injury somewhere in your physical body, healing comes from the farthest reaches of your circulatory system to that injury to begin to bring healing to it. Immediately, white blood cells and, 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 and different things within the marrow of your bone, bones kick in to, 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 to work together to, to supply the need that exists. Now, it may be, you know, you've hurt your left hand somehow, and yet healing is coming from every part of your body to bring healing to that one member. So the needs of each member of a body are supplied by the rest of the body as directed by the head. Now, let's get something straight here for a moment, okay? We're, we're ultimately talking about our fellowship with God and that we've been called by God the Father into fellowship, community, and communion with Him, joint participation with Him, the same community, the same communion, the same joint participation, the same fellowship that Jesus has with the Father. You've literally been called into oneness with the Father. And I asked the congregation this morning to forgive me. I'll ask you tonight as well to forgive me. I was kind of being stubborn because I really just wanted to focus on fellowship with the Father and not really address the important subject, but not really address the subject of, the, of fellowship with one another. Because I feel like there is, is such a vacuum when it comes to teaching and preaching in the body of Christ about fellowship with the Father. But the reality of it is this. If we're all one body, it's impossible... It's impossible for, say, my uh, left hand to fellowship with my head and my elbow not be involved. I mean, are you understand what I'm saying here? So because we are the body of Christ, it's impossible for us to fellowship with Him and not fellowship with one another, just as it's impossible. You know what I'm saying? Let me get a little bit ahead of myself, okay? My hand is a member of my physical body. How ridiculous would it be, because there's a lot of folks in the body of Christ who are like this. Listen to me now. They don't feel like they need the rest of us. That's just the truth. There are people who don't believe they need to go to church. They, don't believe, they, they think that they're so spiritual that they don't have to go. Well, I'm the priest of my home, Pastor Mark, and we, uh, we, we read the Bible in my house and we pray in my house. And our relationship is with Jesus anyway. You can't have a healthy relationship with Jesus and not have a healthy relationship with His body. There's no such thing. How ridiculous would it be for my right hand to be so spiritual that it will only have a relationship with my head? It'll wash my hair. It'll shave my face. It'll brush my teeth and it'll wipe the sweat from my brow. 
but it is so spiritual it will not itch my shoulder. Nor will it tie my shoes. Nor will it help me get dressed and button my shirt in the morning. Because my hand is so spiritual and it is so committed to my head that it is beneath it to soil its reputation by actually fellowshipping with the other members in my body. Do you see how silly that is, right? It's because my hand, it's a, you know, that's 36, 37 sleeve, you know, so it's a pretty long way out there. But however many inches it is, it's disconnected that many inches as far as distance from my head, but it is as connected to my head as my neck is. It's as connected to my head as my eyeballs are. Amen. Because we're talking about one body. So again, the needs of each member of a body are supplied by the rest of the body as directed by the head. I'm not saying we shouldn't sing the songs. I believe that there, there is some truth to the songs. But we have to really re-examine when we sing a, a worship song that says, He's all that I need. Jesus, certainly, we need Him above all else. Without Him, we're sunk. Without Him, we're lost. Without Him, we're separated from God and without any hope in the world of ever being reconnected with Him. We're outsiders and we're doomed. We're doomed to a devil's hell. So certainly we need Him. But He's not all that we need. We need God the Father as well. Because He sent the Son. And then we need the Holy Spirit because Jesus prayed to God the Father to send the Holy Spirit to help us in our day-to-day -day lives. So we need God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But to say that we don't need other people is also wrong. To say that we don't need other members of the body of Christ is equally wrong. The Bible teaches that every person in this room has a destiny to fulfill in Father's kingdom and you cannot fulfill that destiny unless you work together with other members of the body of Christ. My hand cannot do, my right hand cannot do what it's completely outfitted to do without my left hand. There's only so many things my right hand can do by itself. And then all of a sudden what? I need my left hand. Never mind that i got to have an elbow joint, a shoulder joint, and all this other things that it's connected to, and all this is linked, the circulation that goes there, all that, right? But even if we just talk about right hand versus left hand, there's only so many things that my right hand can do unless my left hand gets involved. Now we start talking about lifting stuff, right? Well, now you've got to get your legs involved. And so the more effective, you know, if you've ever, like, had a broken bone, you know, or leg in a cast, or been immobilized in some way, then you understand how limited your mobility, effectiveness, activity, all that is just by, let's say, one joint, your ankle, is out of commission for a few weeks. Well, now all of a sudden you have become incapacitated, not completely, but incapacitated in some way. So this idea that we only need Jesus and Jesus is all that we need. Listen, when, when, when all Adam had was Jesus, when it was just Jesus and God, or, or Jesus and the, and the Godhead, God said, this isn't good. This isn't good. So in our case, the community is the body of Christ, and there is only one body, and Jesus is the head. The needs of each member of a body are supplied by the rest of the body as directed by the head. The overall health of the body is dependent upon the health of each member. 
Amen. This comes back to that point that we were making this morning. You know, when people just kind of throw out a blanket statement, we'll let the church handle that. We'll let the church mow their grass. We'll let the church help repair their roof. We'll let the church... Well, who do you think the church is? I mean, this building doesn't have a tool belt. We're the church, right? We're the ecclesia. Now, how can we be a healthy community if the individual members of the community are not healthy? How can we be a strong community if the individual members of the community are not strong? How can we be a mature community if the individual members of the community are not mature? People ask me often about, you know, church still growing, Pastor Mark? And what do they mean by that? Are there more people coming now than were six months ago or what have you? That's never been the growth that I've been concerned about. The growth that I've been concerned about is our growth as individuals, your growth, your walk with Jesus, my growth, my walk with Jesus, your maturity in the body of Christ, my maturity in the body of Christ. You can have 10,000 babies all coming. For sermons about Barney Five. Amen or oh me? Amen or oh me? The foundry has a motto, Micah Andrews, our CEO. He says that he never wants the foundry to be judged by how many people show up here, but how many people we send out whole and healthy to go be heads of household, to go be involved in some productive part of the destiny and purpose that God has for them. Amen. 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 One day when I stand before God, I don't, I don't think He's going to ask me how many people. What's the largest crowd you ever had, son? I don't think that's what he's really interested in. I think he's more interested in me listening to him and then his word being heard by you in a very, you know, we call it rightly dividing and skillfully applying way that will enable each of us to grow and to be healthy and to be strong and to be effective and to be fruitful. Was Jesus concerned about how many people He could get in one location at one time? If you read the Scriptures carefully, it was as if He was trying to discourage that. If every person Jesus ministered to and every miracle He performed was written down in books, John the Beloved said there wouldn't be room enough to contain the volumes. 
Conservatively, one afternoon, he took a little boy's fish and chip basket and fed 15,000 people. But when it was all said and done and the dust settled and he went back to heaven, only 120 took him up on his offer to go wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room in Jerusalem. Only 120 people were willing to take vacation. Only 120 people were willing to get babysitters. Only 120 people were willing to be inconvenienced to go sit in a room in Jerusalem for 10 days waiting for whatever they didn't know it was going to be, but just wait. What did Jesus know? Jesus knew that crowds were fickle and he came to pour himself into a handful of people who would then go and pour themselves into handfuls of people and here you and I sit tonight because of that strategy. Amen. Amen. The overall health of the body is dependent upon the health of each member. The health of each member is dependent upon that individual's mem- that individual member's willingness to commune with the rest of the body. You see how this works? The overall effectiveness of the body is dependent upon the overall health of the body. Wow. Let me give you this passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've mentioned it a time or two. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. It says this. Now, who wants to say what I'm about to say next? If you read it tomorrow, what's it going to say, Peyton? John, if you read it six days from today, what's it going to say? It's going to say now. Now. Now you are. Not you were, not you will be, but now you are. Come on now. Now you are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. One of the most important truths you can ever learn from your father and from his word is your true identity. Jesus made a very important statement in John the 8th chapter. When people were being very critical of him, where people were questioning his authority to say the things and do the things that he was doing, when the experts were basically saying no one else was saying the things that he was saying, so therefore it had to be wrong because according to the law, there had to be at least two people saying it, two witnesses. Jesus, of course, turned it right back on them. He said, well, it's two witnesses. My father makes one and I make two. There's your two witnesses. And if you want me to bring up John the Baptist, you interrogated him for a few hours, you know, a while back, and he told you all these things as well, so there's three. He then said this. He said, you don't get me. You don't understand me. He said, because if you understood me, 
then you would understand that my father sent me. He said, here is what I know that you don't know. I know where I came from. I know who I am. And I know where I'm going. Jesus said, you don't know where you came from. You don't know who you are. And you don't know where you're going. Now, it's amazing how we can blaze through life, you know, 60 seconds a minute, wake up one day in our 50s and still not know where we came from, who we are, where we're going. Reckon this is important information. And obviously, the three are connected. Origin unlocks identity. Identity unlocks purpose. Your enemy has been trying your entire life to convince you that you're someone you're not. He's been trying your whole life to put a label on you, to put a tag on you, to, to, to even, um, I know sometimes, you know, people get upset with me because I won't call them by their nicknames. Rick and Naomi will tell you, I call Wes Johnson Wesley more than I call him Wes. Say, why is that? Because I knew him as Wes, and he ain't that Wes anymore. He's Wesley. Pastor Wesley. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we get these nicknames, and we think they're funny, and all this other stuff, because you know who we were, and all that stuff, and the way we lived, and all that stuff. No, no, no. It's not who you are. Jesus took a man named Shaking Reed and named him Rock. He said, from this point forward, we'll not call you Simon anymore. We'll call you Petrus. We'll call you Rock. Understanding your identity. And it's revealed in the scriptures. Here is a huge piece of the puzzle. Now, now implying that you've been born again, now you are the body of Christ. And there will be no dismemberment. And there will be no dismemberment. Jesus suffered once. And he'll never suffer again. And he will not suffer you being cut off from his body. Now you are the body of Christ. And members individually. Please pay very close attention to how this is written. Father sees you as an individual. But first and foremost, he sees you as the body of Christ. One last verse and we'll pray. Romans chapter 12, verse number 4 and 5. 
For as we have many members in one body. He's talking about your physical body. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Come on, somebody say amen to this. Don't all have the same function? We need, we need to respect each other's function. Amen. Man, are you, are you thankful for people who have musical function? Thank God for them. Boy, we really appreciate them on the rare occasion that they're gone. John Mark's at work or something, you know. Yeah. There's a lot more people in here who have preaching and teaching function than they have music function, I promise you. It was just easier to fill in for me than. We don't all have the same function. So we, in other words, in the same way, the body of Christ, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Notice how he carries it one step further in the Romans passage. 1 Corinthians says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Romans 12 says that you are the body of Christ, one body in Christ and individually members, not just of the body of Christ, because if Jim's a member of the body of Christ and I'm a member of the body of Christ, that makes Mark and Jim members of one another. Are you seeing this? Members of one another. There are certain physical conditions Jesus, by the way, took stripes on his back for the healing of all of them. But there are certain physical conditions that people have where different parts of their body don't respond to the signals that are coming from their brain. Pam's dad, many of you remember him before he went home to be with Jesus. He had a stroke. and You know, there, you know one side of his body worked fine. The other side, his brain would tell it to move, but it, it wouldn't respond. You follow what I'm saying here? And it's, of course, so frustrating for him. Bless his heart. Of course, he was a trooper, man. He went through all the physical therapy, and the Lord touched him, and he made a lot, a lot of progress and was able to Come to church on a walker and, and, and all these things, you know. You say, Pastor, why are you bringing up something sad like that at the end? Because I'm, I'm trying to get you to see that when parts of the body of Christ refuse to respond to the head, refuse to respond to the other members that, that they're, uh, you know, of and with in the body of Christ, it creates dysfunction in the body. It hinders our effectiveness. It's true of every person in here, but since I got the mic, let me just go ahead and be the first to confess to every single one of you, I cannot do what I'm on this earth to do without you. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? 
Not that I would even want to or want to try. But I cannot do what my Heavenly Father put me on this earth to do without you. Somebody commented last, um, actually a couple of people commented last Sunday about my great restraint in, you know, not even bringing up church attendance, not even talking about like, where have all you folks been? You know, so I didn't. Amen. I was good. Come on, somebody say, way to go, Pastor Mark, right? Amen. I was just so happy to see everybody, you know. So thankful. The folks were worshiping on Easter and not just here, but all the other places, right? So I, obviously, I, you know, I'm more likely to say something about that, and I do continually. I don't apologize for it. But anyway, I'm more likely to say something about it on any day but Easter. Just pray for me. Don't judge me. Just pray for me. (laughs) But the point is this. Fellowship's not just about eating food. I mean, like when we have a dinner. A men's class, a women's class, a discipleship class, a senior's dinner, a spring picnic. These things are not just about learning something and eating something. There's a bigger picture involved. It's an opportunity for us to throw horseshoes together, laugh together, learn things about one another that we never knew, start to come out of our shells a little bit, start to learn to trust people again. Start to find out that there's other folks who are going through things similar to you, similar to things you've been through in the past. Now, all of a sudden, you're able, hey, I had no idea that it ever happened to you and your wife, but let me tell you something. Something very similar happened to me and my wife 14 years ago, and this is how the Lord brought us through that. Do you see, do you see how this works? That's communion. And it makes for a strong community. It makes for a strong community. Amen. Amen. You men may remember this brother more than some of you ladies, but you've heard me talk about my brother and his wife from Knoxville, Tennessee. Brother Buell and Sister Teresa Moore. I first met them two years ago, actually, technically two years ago today. Two years ago, they came to the first, first meeting that they had attended anyway at the foundry. If you know Buell, he's a big man. And he came in angry. And his wife came in broken. Their daughter had thrown a fit when they brought her to the foundry and said some pretty horrible things to them and told them that she would never speak to them again. And so the, the good report is that you know, they asked after the meeting, do you think we should even try to speak to her or should we just go home? And I said, well, I'll send an olive branch up and see what response we get. But when we went out the door, she was standing there waiting on them. God began to work in Buell and Teresa. 
and what the Lord used to transform them and heal them was other people willing to share their life and their experience with them. I'm happy to report to you that beginning on May 1st, the first Sunday in May, I should say. I don't know if that's May 1st or not. Buell and Teresa Moore. First, by the way, stands for Families, as an acronym, Families in Recovery Seeking Truth. It's a support group for loved ones who have loved ones in addiction. The first Sunday in May, Buell and Teresa will start a first ministry in Knoxville, Tennessee at their local church. Is that not beautiful? Notice how this is working, right? It's community. It's community. Amen. Stand with me. Stand with me. Father, thank you tonight for the men and women in this room. Oh, Father, how my life is enriched by each one of these men and women. Father, how they draw upon your gift, how they draw upon your Holy Spirit, how they draw upon you, and Lord, how you speak to them in this place. Thank you, Father, tonight for the things that we witnessed. Father, for the visual representation of how Satan tried to creep into the garden and and mess up what you made beautiful and how you restored the descendants of Adam and Eve, Father. And thank you, Lord, that we have ministering spirits tonight and the Word of God that can prevent the enemy from ever stealing another thing from us as we understand, Lord, how to function in these things. Father, you are speaking to us very clearly on the subject of community and communing with, sharing with one another. Help us become very aware in our own individual lives how we can become more involved with the people that you've connected us with. Lord, things that we have to offer, our time, our, our resources, our Lord, there's folks in here that are just, Lord, they're so smart and things that you've gifted them with such an in, intellect and intelligence and things they understand. And Lord, there's administrative gifts and it's just fascinating, Father, what all you've put inside of people. Lord, may we begin to serve and if we already are, may we in greater ways and greater measures begin to serve our gifts to the world. Thank you, Lord, for the week ahead. Thank you for the opportunities that are before us, divine appointments, Lord, that you have already prepared. May we be aware of those divine appointments and how you would have us, Lord, stand and speak and and act on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.